Hey y'all, this is Taria and Akis. And this is Columbus Can't Wait. Either do politics or politics do you. Actually, I was thinking about music as I was pulling up and thinking about how in your campaign headquarters, like I loved that every time I walked in, it was good music playing. Mm. Like, I don't know, was that intentional or? Well, we definitely wanted it to be like a community space and comfortable and sort of like my philosophy to running teams is if people have a baseline of like pretty calm, pretty steady, then you can deal with the unexpected. And so we tried to like hit that vibe on the campaign as much as we could. And Mm. I think having music as a part of that, having a comfortable space, um, a place where people felt comfortable coming in, that was all... That was the vibe we were going for. Not nah, mission accomplished for sure. Yeah, it was mission like a great space. It, it really was. was. Yeah, and good and good people. Yeah, oh, people yeah. make the space for real. Mm-hmm. Um, people that cared, man, and, and still, still care. care. Still Look care. Look at yeah. you, that podcast synergy, <laughs> man. Oh, yeah, this is great. Now, nah, um, thanks for coming back on our show. Yeah, you know. cool. Morgan Harper's here, y'all. Season two. Facts. Is this <laughs> all right? So this is your third time I on know. this show. So is wow. she tied with? No, no. She, yeah, you got to come on a little bit more often because Sean's oh, really? been on here like <laughs> he was, four times. Wow, because he was on. He has no. me beat. He, he wasn't was, on last season. He was on twice with Tamla and um. Miss Hood, and mm. then he was on himself. So that's three, and then he was on once last season. So yeah. he's had, he has one okay. appearance. Well, on Morgan. I don't know how many episodes are left in season two. But. Well, we actually <laughs> just had a spot clear up. So. Yeah, oh. yeah, and, big old spot. <laughs> it is a big. Sounds spot. like some background there. Um, <laughs> some of us think that there's a little bit more to it than there might be, in. and it could be nothing. It, it could, could be, be nothing. nothing. Could be just nothing. like we were talking about. It's like. It's, maybe it's something, maybe it's nothing. Or yeah. it could be something really big and they just don't want to come on the show. Right. Yeah. So many options, so many possibilities. Right. Yeah. Now I feel like I have a sense of who you might be. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely people that we have talked about on the show <laughs> prior. Oh okay. So. okay. Well, I'm always happy to help fill in the gaps. <laughs> we know, and that's why we love you. I they noticed really you. something about you. Uh-oh. You have a new pair of glasses. Yeah, I I've been do. looking like, oh, look at that. Glasses. They're very, um, they're giving me paid in full, actually, a little bit. Yo, <laughs> that's, yeah. No, I was thinking that they were really solid. They're dope, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Sam, my fiance, actually pushed me to make this part of my 2021 look, so. Yeah, I like yeah. it. It's kind of like throwback. Yeah. 80s, but with the. Yeah, with the, they're modern. Yeah. Though. They're like very bling. chic. Yeah. Yeah. They kind of remind me of like. Sam, tell Sam don't be trying to take my job. <laughs> Okay, that's not his. He's in his lane. I'm in mine. You yeah, see, I know this. That's something else. But I know that's all. I was like, okay. No. Just stop replacing her. <laughs> like, uh, uh, he focuses on shoes and accessories. He's not trying to put together the whole outfit. So you still are okay. you're safe. Okay, yeah. I was going to say. I need that. Look, I've, and especially now, it's like the world's opening up again. I've the been wearing sweats is, for a year. I know, and that's still what I'm right. wearing. And I'm like, I went out a couple weeks ago. No, last weekend. And I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to wear? I still look fabulous, but it I'm was sure a struggle for a second. You look there. fabulous in sweats. Thank you. Look you. you look good. <laughs> I was Thank just you. like... Like you I was like, I haven't been dressed in so long. I was trying to fish. I thought you said you too, but you, you look awesome too. Because you know I'm the stylist in the space. Yeah, you know I mean? that's what. But I thought I lost it because, like I said, I've been wearing sweats for the last since COVID started. I've been asking Taria to style me, and she just says he has yeah. never asked me that. I've asked he at has least five not times. Ever asked. Have you ever been styled? No. Okay, you did ask for my... our photo shoot. Yeah. Okay, but said... I need more advance notice. <laughs> No, but listen, because I had to get dressed and you had to get dressed. But if we had, if I had known like in the beginning that you wanted me to pick out your look, then I would have like been Johnny on six pictures. But it was not months. It was not weeks before. I'm gonna pull up the receipts. Oh my god! Okay, (laughs) I'll let y'all figure that out. Jesus Christ! Morgan's like, here we go. Right. Mm -hmm. Nothing. No. She knows how we are. This is how our conversations go with you because we feel like you're like a part of the podcast family. Like family. It's been cool to see it grow and I like this focus in the season on 
similar topic for every episode. So yeah, yeah. yeah. When we first started it, we knew that there were conversations that needed to be had, mm-hmm. um, just about politics and um, really the way that the city was the climate here. Um, but after the first season was over, when we decided to even cut it off and take a break, mm-hmm. like we really like focused in and said, "All right, what if we put a little bit more concentration mm-hmm. and intention on it?" Yeah, and I think that we're going to do that, like moving forward. That's so great. Yeah, we're I have like, like that concept. ten episode seasons and mm-hmm. then. Like um, the next one's going to be about something completely different. Yeah, that's good. And taking breaks is good too. Man, and necessary. (sighs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This has been a long season. It has been a long (laughs) season. It's been a long year. It's been already a long two years if we keep tallying. (laughs) I know. I know. It's like how much more can we endure? Yeah. I don't know. Hopefully nothing else. Yeah, please not don't like, invite anything else. Not likely, but you guys see the locusts are coming. I didn't. I, I yeah, well, I didn't see that. Cicadas? Uh, yeah, same was, thing. Are right? they? Oh, I don't know. No, that was a Bible not, reference. But, yeah, because, <laughs> no, <laughs> they say, sounds scary. No, it's like Very seven Bible. billion of them. They say. Yeah, that's what someone was talking about that today. Just like flying around. It's like what? Yeah, what else can you add to the mix? It does feel like we're approaching just like an ongoing march to a breaking point. And uh, but yeah, anyway, we're not going to go too low, yeah, right? Facts. Or actually, we're just going to keep going. All I'm doing <laughs> is waiting for Biden to forgive these student loans. Man. It ain't happening. Well, my it? old boss is in charge of that now. <laughs> I saw that. Richard Richard Cordray. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see what he gets up I to. Fi- that, felt me- that made me feel a little more optimistic yeah. about it. I mean, he definitely knows a lot about the issue. So so would his first course of action be to like, what's the first thing that he is slated to do in ter- I, as it relates to that? I mean, his his main charge as reporting the media, like I don't have, you know, I haven't had direct conversation with him about it, but is to figure out an administrative way to address student loan debt. Nice. So not having to rely on Congress, doing something through the regulatory process. Mm. But I imagine an early step, I mean, it's going to be kind of tricky because, you know, obviously he already knows a lot because he was at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, but this is a new role, it's a new administration. So probably early step is going to be like hearing from people. I mean, maybe they do like hearings or something about the latest state of play to then build the case for whatever strategy they want to implement would be my guess. So nice. we might hear for a lot from him. What's his position? I forget the official title, but he's yeah. essentially going to be in charge of, um, he's like the director of the student loan office. Oh. so Yeah, so it's pretty It's a high up role in the yeah. Department of Education. Yeah. Shout out to Ohio, man. What's your thoughts Shout on student loan forgiveness? Morgan? I'm pro student loan forgiveness. Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know. Yeah. I just wanted to ask. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's been, it's been a burden put on our generation mostly, especially when I worked at Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, I learned how it was actually a multi-generational burden. The data is there for how many older people and senior citizens that are the guarantors on some of these loans. They're also yeah, trapped in yeah. debt. Yep. And, and it's, you know, the argument that usually gets put up against doing something about canceling debt is, oh, but we're just going to be like forgiving all these people that went to Harvard and they don't need loan forgiveness. It's like most of the people who hold debt, especially going into their 40s, who aren't able to manage payments in particular, it's not that because they've gone to Harvard Law School. It's because like people I met during the campaign, I think we might have talked about this, is like, got a a beauty school, you know, mm-hmm. associate's degree and now they're going to be on the hook for $60,000 of debt and they have an earning potential in a year of maybe like 30 to 40,000. It's like how's right. that ever going to add up, right? right. How's that person ever going to be stable? And this is, you know, we don't even need to go we can spend a lot of time going down this route, but just like how many problems in this country would be solved by people just having more money. Yeah. Absolutely. That's yeah. just I was thinking about that earlier because I saw like a, a tweet that said, if you just found a hundred million dollars and what would you do with it? Like, would you return it or blah, blah, blah. I was like, first I would say, you know, God always comes right on time. <laughs> like, thank you. <laughs> but then like, I was just being honest, like, all right, what would you do if you had a suitcase of a hundred million dollars? And I honestly feel like I would just call people that I know and be like, you know, come over. How much do you need? Like if money was on, how much right. money? And just give it to them. Yeah. It's right. like, bro, like, so and half many of those people would, would need their student loans paid. Right. Bro, student loans I paid. I would. If you find it, call me. You'll be one of the first people I call. <laughs> Please. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I would build buildings like, you know, like I would just put the money back into the community because so many problems would be solved 
if we just had more money. Exactly. Exactly. People lie when they say that money isn't everything, but not having it is. Bro, <laughs> shout out to Kanye. Bro. Yeah, Kanye comes up again. Yeah. He's right. He was he right. Be right. He'd be right more Man. than you wrong, but you know. I- I gotta be responsible when I, on my I agree. platform right here. I know. When I, I hear <laughs> about reparations, I'm always like, listen, my reparations, if they came in the form of paying off my student loans, I'd be I already that, decided that's I'm not, not for everybody because everyone didn't go to school. But for me, that would be like life changing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I ain't paying them either. Listen, they can either decide <laughs> to forgive my student loans or I can decide to forgive my <laughs> I'm going to get my reparations <laughs> one way or the it's other. It's going to happen, though. I'm going like, to give y'all this, uh, this <laughs> minimum payment every month. <laughs> bro. And if only you knew what... Never mind. Let me be quiet. <laughs> I'm, like, uh, I'm, not, I'm not endorsing or, <laughs> or not. Dissuading from this approach, but yeah. So, Morgan, Columbus Stand Up. Yeah. Y'all have been doing a lot in the community. Yeah. Um, a lot of people ask you, like, once you're came, all right so what are you gonna do you just gonna disappear you're gonna go back to the oh east coast or whatever? she like, did not no nah, yeah. i'm still here <laughs> i remember a conversation we had early on where someone i think had reached out to you and was like see she's gone it's yeah. been a day she said nothing and you yeah. were like give her a day you know? she's still here yeah. Yeah. she's it's here really with her midwest kids yeah vote sweatshirt on oh, so you really Shout are from midwest kids like, that's another thing that came up i was maybe a couple weeks a ago mall, where someone was like she's not really from here someone had mentioned that so i was like like, this is so funny to me. It's like, where does this come from? It's like, you want to talk to my mother who's lived in the same house for almost 50 years? And uh, I don't know. It's, I did hear that, Morgan. And you've I've heard just, that before? I, yeah. Someone recently? said, no, went back oh, in your campaign. Oh, back so yeah. I was like, she's not, I mean, she's not even from here. And I was like, is this mean girls? Like, what's going on? It feels <laughs> a little like that, but it's, it's just. She doesn't so, even go here. It's like, you've <laughs> never heard of her. It's like, do you know 2 million people who live in this? Like, Bruh, there's a lot of people uh, who live in Columbus. A lot like, of people live in Columbus. City in America, you know. Well, and I think that's always. Um, informing my approach because yeah, I'm not I'm not somebody you know for purposes of Columbus, Ohio's right. Like I, I'm not somebody. connected to. Well, thank you. But you know, like I didn't grow up connected to like a super political family. There's no mm-hmm. reason why you would know my mother, my brother. It's like people right. just been living their lives working, and, right. mentored and we're usually somebody. the people that are not represented. You know? Right. Well, and I love that. I think as I got older, you know, I've c- certainly made connections to people who are more powerful positions. But like that is not my orientation. My orientation is just regular mm-hmm. <laughs> but that is very like it's that is very indicative of the way that columbus politics can work is that people that you see they you know that they know somebody or have been groomed by somebody they or they're part of a family somebody. right yeah. yeah that has been in government for you know generations, generations and so yeah. you coming along it's like of course people are gonna be yeah um yeah suspicious because they're like well we haven't heard that name and that's not how columbus politics works right like, it's like well, maybe to, we need a new approach we we do need a new approach. Imagine that. Yeah. But tell us what Columbus Stand Up has been um, doing over the last yeah. year. Yeah. So we've been up to a lot. I mean, after the campaign, I think we talked about this in one of our earlier episodes, but I just knew, and we, we kind of talked as a team too. It's like, there's still a lot to be done. This was never just about one campaign. We want to continue working, organizing, being of service. Because I really have this view of politics rooted in service. Mm-hmm. And we've just started doing things, pretty much the same thing. It's like, okay, well, logically, how do you know what people need? Okay, well, you have to talk to people. So let's keep having community events like we were having towards the end of the campaign. So we did some of those last summer when we launched it in, in August. And then, okay, the next biggest need as we're talking to people is like, everyone's freaking out about this November election and we mm-hmm. need to get rid of Trump. And what can we do to be of service there? And the transit barrier. So we started this rideshare program to get people um, to the polls. And uh, and then also hosting different you know online forums, trying to get more people involved in different issues that are usually inaccessible, like mm-hmm. trying to get some of the climate groups connected to like the alphas, for example, and like making that connection of like everyone should care about climate justice. Moving the rideshare program to be about getting people to vaccines. When we started looking around at the beginning of the year, it's like we what's the biggest need? It's going to be getting people vaccinated. Transit barriers still exist. We can get ahead of this. Did mm-hmm. you see that Biden stepped all over that earlier today? Do not even get me started. (laughs) You gotta be fucking me, bro. I didn't see it. Okay, so Biden today announced (laughs) a partnership with Uber and Lyft, which is infuriating um, because they have, as I hope, I hope a lot of folks know. I mean, first of all, 
when I talk about certain companies, I always want to distinguish between individuals who are working for that company or using that company. I'm not critiquing that because individual behavior will not solve systemic issues. Mm -hmm. But systemically, as a business model, they are problematic because they exploit labor and they don't give enough money to the people who are really making their business model possible. Mm. And so to see our federal government signing up to provide free vaccine, rides to vaccines, depending on a gig economy company like Uber and Lyft is troubling, especially because Uber has been raising money from the public to support the rides program that they had already launched to get people to vaccine. So I'm like, please God, tell me they negotiate a contract that's forcing Uber to use all of the money that's been donated by right. the, the public right. before our taxpayer dollars are paying money to Uber, this exploitative company. Wait, so they right. have like a, a GoFundMe already? Uber created its own GoFundMe. When wow. they launched that they were going to be doing a Rise to Vaccines program, which was a couple of weeks ago, they're like, and if you want to help support your community, your community nationwide, get vaccinated, please help. Don't like press here where people do individual donations. And you're like, you are a billion dollar yes. company. Yeah. Like you can. It's ridiculous. Not even. A, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So, <laughs> but in, okay. And so then we never want to end with just critique. So what would be the alternative that would be better? Right. Funding. To me. Funding grassroots organizations yeah. that can do that. Employing people in the community at a living wage rate, you know, that could maybe provide yeah. more rides. So anyway. No, you're a thousand percent correct. I can't believe I didn't hear about that. It just happened it earlier just, today. Oh, earlier okay. today, yeah. Man, I thought about you. I was like, yo, Morgan's been doing this, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. you, your organization has been doing a she lot. She's been organizing for good, real, man. She has. Yeah, so we, we have a good group of people, some new people we connected with that just reached out after we launched that wanted to get involved in the community. Uh, and it's been cool. It's been a cool way to just continue to bring more people into the circle and kind of like get activated. Um, yeah. So Columbus stand up has been really fun. Are um, you, do you have like, I mean, not exact numbers of course, but like how many people have you mobilized since? Can well, you, can you also <laughs> like add in your campaign? Like, Oh, I don't know. Total. I mean, total number in the campaign is hard to assess. You know, there were like over 20,000 people that voted Yeah, for, for us. But then there are also all the people that couldn't vote because of COVID. So I don't right. know what that number on would campus, be. Yeah, on campus. Yeah, on campus, dealing right. with economic issues from the jump. Um, yeah. And then Columbus Stand Up, we've had over 100 people volunteer wow. through, to be drivers in either the That's fall amazing. or the ride share. We've now transported almost 400 people to get vaccinated. Wow. Lots of different partners through the community events and people who attended those. So it just keeps I growing. Love it. That's fire. Yeah. We were um, kind of going back and forth yesterday because, and I felt kind of weird saying it when I first said it. I was like, you know, I mean, like she's doing a lot of like community organizing and activism and stuff. I was like, I wonder how she would feel if somebody ever were to be like, oh yeah, she's a community organizer or a. What do activist. you call yourself? How I know, do you describe your work? Yeah, it's kind of hard because I have a lot of respect for people I think of as professional organizers. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's a skill set. That's a training. I am actually not trained mm -hmm. in that, you know, tradition or whatever. Uh, discipline. That's not my background. So and then people put the activist label on me a lot. You know, it was like when I started to do some of the local TV stuff, they're like, Morgan Harper, progressive activist. Someone called us activists. We're like, we are not activists. I was like, no. I think I just have opinions and I state them openly. Yeah. And then in Columbus, that can get you labeled as, oh, she's an activist. She's, you know? Right. That's um, that's all you have to do here. <laughs> but Morgan, like honestly, <laughs> honestly, though, I was, I was, I mentioned this to Malcolm that, when I heard about Casey Goodson, mm -hmm. it was because of your tweet early on. Mm -hmm. And I feel like your tweet sort of helped get out in front of the narrative that was already being formed by the local news media and the Franklin County um, Sheriff's Department mm -hmm. that this man had been like waving a gun. Mm -hmm. And I forget exactly what your tweet said, but it was kind of like, no, nah, that's not what happened. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it went viral. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like that. I mean, I know you don't call yourself an, activi an activist, but I feel like you used your platform in such a great way that day. And, it's, mm -hmm. and it started kind of like this snowball effect of like what, you know, Casey means to our community now. So, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I appreciate you saying that, or that it had, that it got to you early on. Um, 
Yeah, that was kind of crazy because I I think like everyone, you know, it's just like you're on your mm-hmm. phone and then, you know, I monitor news pretty closely and then I see this story and I was like, what? Like I, this is a weird way to be putting whatever actually happened with this. I think, I don't remember which station it was that put up, you know, cause they have their video version and then the print version. And I was like, this doesn't add up. And they had, they referenced Casey's mother or someone in the family making a statement. But then that was like almost in passing. And I was like, wait mm-hmm. a second. What we're not about to do is dismiss the family's perspective on what's happened. We've been down that road. And we also know the narrative happens, the narrative setting happens so quickly, mm-hmm. you know? And I was like, <clears throat> no, like this is gonna, we're gonna be adjusting this right now. And if there's no greater benefit than we have from our campaign, then the platform, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. people can't take the platform away from you, no. right? And so I don't, to be frank, give a shit about how many Twitter followers I have, right? Mm-hmm. But I will use every single one of those 20,000 Twitter followers or whatever to influence the narrative and people's way of thinking to benefit the community, Mm -hmm. to protect people who are maybe not in the same position to get a message out that quickly. And, and that, that was just the instinct is like, we got to move on this because they are, they are already setting the traps for why these things tend to go off track for us, you know? Um... Well, when I think of you, I will always think about that day because I think that you did a lot and what is you helped kind of set in motion what I hope happens for the family. So don't take your work lightly because that was really important what you did and you used your platform in the right way. I mean, we see people out here using their platforms for all kinds of foolishness and you weren't even like running anymore at that time. So you could have been like, well, I'm taking a break or whatever, Mm -hmm. but like. So I was appreciative of that, of yeah. you doing that. Um, yeah, I hope I, I hope that, um, yeah, I mean, what needs to happen there, I hope it happens. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to say the least. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of shit. It's been a long, it's been a heavy year. Yeah. And yeah, I really it's hope like for whatever happens still won't be enough. That's like the, because you can't bring Casey back. And that's mm-hmm. the sobering part of it. It's like something, something could happen that, you know, really benefits the family in the long term, but they still don't have their child. And I was just watching his mom's Instagram on Mother's Day. And it's mm-hmm. just like, oh, yeah. but I just appreciate her for being that transparent, that transparent yeah. about how painful mm-hmm. this is. And I'm, I'm glad that she's like, I'm going to take this space. This Mm -hmm. is my space to do this. And I can use it however I want to. And some Mm -hmm. days she's happy. Some days she's sad. And she's like, y'all going to see all of it. Yeah, very real. And I just appreciate her for that too. Yeah. I mean, you know, black women just (laughs) doing what we do. I'm curious. um, Like, what are your thoughts on the city's movement with the uh, request for the DOJ to step in? and, And then also like all the different organizations that came together to... Mm-hmm. I'm saying, nah, we don't just want, you know, that bullshit that they were saying. Like, yeah. we want you to go the extra mile with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm kind of over the city. I I, um, I don't think they have a lot of legitimacy in mm-hmm. terms of how they, city leadership, um, mm-hmm. manage their interactions with the community. I don't think they have taken seriously enough uh, the concerns of the community. I don't, I don't like them. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you get pushback for being like honest about how you flicked? Do you, do you experience for lack of a better word, consequences for being honest about like how you feel about city government and how they're not operating in the best interest of the people? Uh, I, you know, it's funny. I don't really hear from people directly. I mm. think maybe the people that would be critical of that don't reach out to me. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, I hear from people that are grateful in, in using the platform for, you know, trying to advance the community's interests. Mm-hmm. And I should say, I mean, it's not that I have any personal issues with anyone. I and mean, I say I don't like that. I am so disappointed. Yeah. It's the same disappointment that drove me to run for Congress. Mm-hmm. It, it's this profound feeling of, betrayal that Mm -hmm. we've been fed lies and even people who are maybe trying to be better I still get the sense that their careers matter more than putting everything on the line to improve yeah 
lives of people living here. And that, you know, and some people will say like, oh, well, that's an unfair standard. Or like, what are they supposed to be doing? And it's like, what are they supposed to be doing? Everything. Mm. They're Everything. supposed to be doing what they said that they would do when they were elected. Every We're, we're not... We're not elected officials. Like, they are held to a higher standard. Even when Tamlin came in here, um, Casey's mom again, when she came in and she mentioned that there are things that, like, Mayor Ginther could do. There's things that Joyce Beatty could do. There's things that Shannon Harding can do, and they're not doing them. Like, there are different interventions that they could take based mm-hmm. off of their position. What are the things that you think that they could be doing that they have not acted upon, Mm -hmm. like that are in their power right now to do? They could fire Jason Mead. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, that's an option. They could, even with the the reform efforts that we have all the research to know, they're not going to be, you know, cure-alls for anything like a civilian review board. The fact that we have people making up that civilian review board that don't represent the diversity of experiences in this city. Mm -hmm. That's a problem. That's a slap in the face. That's a, you are, we already know that this has its limitations and you're still not going to go the extra mile to make this as impactful as it possibly could be, even given those limitations with virtually no risk, Mm -hmm. no risk. What's the risk of making that actually representative of the entire community? What is that? Uh, The FOP boogeyman is going to be coming to your house. (laughs) Trust me, he's already there. Yeah, oh right. yeah! Oh yeah! I read so, a dispatch article earlier today, or maybe it was yesterday. They said, "Oh, the police are leaving the city police department like in droves, right. and like they don't know what they're gonna do." And I'm like, "No, nah, this is kind of you know what I mean." Let's we'll figure it do out. The talking. Oh, I mean, sure, if this isn't know? for you, then it's not for you. If if putting this community community safety first isn't what you're about, if being part of a department, and this is the other thing, because you know, this, I have a lot of very passionate views about this. Because the other. The yay other thing that people like to say is like, oh, this is divisive. Oh, this is too much. You know, this is going to pull, this is pulling us apart. One, we are apart. And also if, if what's keeping us some fake form of unity is hiding the truth, then what, what are we talking about? What right? are we talking and actually, about? and there is a style. A of, yeah. And there's a style of leadership where you can be very honest and also bring people together. So that's what I'd like to see from elected officials is like, we're not saying that you cast aside, you know, an entire set of the population. No, but you lead with honesty. You lead with what we're trying, what outcomes we're trying to pursue. You bring things, people together. You clearly communicate about those things. And that's how you earn. That's how you're honest. You earn trust. And then you actually have the legitimacy to implement change. But to me, it really is. I mean, I said this the other day. And it's like, it's just all too little too late. Mm-hmm. So I would distinguish anything coming out of the city government at this point from community-led efforts, like Absolutely. the letter that we submitted right. um, to the Department of Justice asking for the pattern practices investigation. That's a community-led effort. Mm-hmm. I I don't know the time. The timing's interesting that those happen, you know, right back Very. to back, whatever. But it doesn't matter. The community speaking, and as long as we continue to lead, we will see better outcomes than what came before. Because mm-hmm. to me, all of the characters involved have already shown themselves to not be about this. For so, real. Um, Tria, earlier when we were talking about the warrior mindset, like it was kind of speaking to this right here. Um, and I was, you know, Facebook memories is... <laughs> Facebook memories. What is it? 2008? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's for me. Like I saw something, that, um, a project that I worked on back in 2017. Mm. Um, it's called Change Starts Here. And it was a uh, a campaign just to say like Change Starts like, with you, like in mm-hmm. your community. Like, you know, it was kind of bridging the gap between police and, and the people. And I mean, I kind of felt uneasy even as I was working on it. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, open mind and, you know, so on and so forth. Now, four years removed from that, like I could see how that is misguided. It's a misguided effort because, like, I mean, I'm at a point now. Where I don't think that the way that we police is like I think we need to abolish the whole system and stuff, right? Mm. And it's like, all right, I'm acknowledging that something that I actively participated in, something that I supported in the past, like I was wrong in mm. that, and now it's about completely undoing all that and then also working towards a real solution. Mm-hmm. What's to stop? any city leadership that has quote unquote like shown themselves from having a, I don't want to say a similar realization. Cause I don't think that that's a fair characterization of mm-hmm. it, but to like say, All right, I was wrong and I didn't do enough before. And I'm acknowledging that I didn't do enough before. So um, now I want to do everything right from here moving forward. Well, that requires one, that clear acknowledgement to happen. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've seen that 
really yeah, clearly facts. acknowledge. Okay. Right. Then to actually changing behavior moving forward. Okay. Not just with platitudes, not just with photo ops, but with actual policy. Like you're going to go to the mat for policy changes and continue to keep the community updated on what's going on. So what that doesn't look like is supporting legislation and saying, eh, qualified immunity, it's in, it's out. We don't care, which is what we heard from Clyburn today or yesterday. Um, one of our fearless Congressional Black Caucus leaders mm. <laughs> in I'm Washington. I'm so over the CBC, man. Yeah, it's like, who are you for? And <clears throat> mm-hmm. if not for this at the last phase of your life, or at least of representation, right? Mm-hmm. Then what are you? Like, what are you about? And the answer is nothing, or certainly not about the community. And even from a pure negotiation perspective, what bad strategy? You're going to go out there and be like, oh, yeah, we don't really care that much about qualified immunity. So Republicans, let's just see what shakes out. What? That makes no sense. No sense. Who do we need? People like Cori Bush, for example, who are saying, I'm not going to vote for something if it doesn't include qualified immunity. Mm -hmm. Line in the sand. Why are people so afraid to put lines in the sand? Because they're scared of losing. And they're also scared of opening themselves up. Like qualified immunity, and this is something I learned, it protects police officers, but it really protects everybody in government like from any wrongdoings that mm-hmm. they may be doing too. Right. They might be opening up themselves if they're, you know, got their hands in the cookie pot too, you know? Yeah, but we're willing to see people die. No, I'm not with you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm not with you're, them. You're, yeah. yeah, you're just saying I'm like you're, out why they are might have her. intentions. Or, right. Well, I don't know if I really want to expose myself yeah. that way, you know? And you know what yeah. I think this actually gets at? And they have to change their donors. Yeah, <laughs> that it, too. It, it's like we have a really individualist way of approaching mm. life. Mm-hmm. in this country it's and wild. we've been trained yeah. to think about about ourselves people don't even want to wear a mask yeah exactly yeah. and it's like we're actually living the potential like logical end of that whole culture and mentality it's not sustainable right mm-hmm. it's like you can't we can't always be in this protective mode but why are we like this because we don't feel protected yeah how about we just start protecting one another and let's see what what Imagine. goes from there Imagine. Yeah, that's what abolition is about um I do see like a change in the way that people are looking at the world though. Like all these oh, yeah, different for strikes. Sure. Yeah. Like the way that they walked out of Family Dollar and the way that they worked. Oh out, yeah. Like that oh, shit's the lit strikes, to, you said. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. No, what they were doing down at Amazon, even though like, you know, the union was busted. Like I just see a oh, yeah. collective consciousness that is rising. Right. And I'm oh, hoping yeah. that that continues. Well, I know it's going to continue to go. You know, I, I think Tomorrow so. there yeah. will be more of us. Well, and, and people, I do think that that is... Um, another positive that came out of the uprisings last summer was that people got to witness what people power does. Mm. Mm. And we, no one of our generation has seen that no. level, that level of mobilization and what that does. Mm-hmm. And we're all, we also saw that the world can literally shut down. Yes. We have never seen that before. Yes. And so I think that- And it will still keep going. And it will yeah. still keep going. And, yeah. and, and so I think that- for us to see that and the generations after us to have witnessed that, that is what is giving rise to this like pushback that I think will, um, it'll continue to simmer and then it'll come to a head again. I don't know when, but we are definitely in a different frame Everything of, frame that they of mind. said that we couldn't live without, mm-hmm. like we lived without mm-hmm. and we're still here. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. so... Yeah, and you can't you can't turn off that kind of awakening. I mean that right. that informs especially if you're, you know, younger than we are, that informs your whole worldview. I think at our age, you know, how we will end like we'll just operate in different management spaces we're in or politically, you know, it's like once people realize they have power, the world opens up. And yeah. I do think we're at again the end of this period where, you know, the US has always had a very, very individualist streak mm-hmm. mixed in with a strong discriminatory streak, right? Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of it accelerated, especially economically, in the 1980s up till now because of changes in regulation and really just a, giving corporations a free for all. And I think the state of Ohio has been one of the worst examples of come exploit our people our resources take what you need retire to florida thanks for playing oh yeah uh and it's like we're hitting the end of that and people are like wait i'm gonna do all the work and you're gonna be okay and you're not even gonna care (laughs) right i think there used to be some pretending at least that we're gonna try to provide a little bit of stability but now it's just like raw greed 
raw power. And I don't think people are going to stand for it in the same way. And people aren't standing for it, like actively. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we shouldn't, as we shouldn't. And the more people, I think, you know, it's, it is that somewhat cliche phrase of like multiracial, multi-class coalition, the more people that also maybe are in a more stable position that are a little more affluent, that are also advocating for this in combination with people who are, you know, maybe earning lower incomes, you can't fight that because the majority, we are, we are us, right? We are the majority. And if, if we also then start dictating policy, which is continuing to happen more and more, especially at the federal level, we win. Yeah, we wanted to ask you too about, we know that you have a breadth of knowledge on the federal level. Mm-hmm. And so we know that with the um, with the community asking, asking for um, the DOJ to come in and investigate mm-hmm. Columbus Police Department, um, that that would, I think, require a consent decree. Mm-hmm. Um, can you explain to our listeners what a consent decree is and like how it has worked in other cities or yeah. maybe has not worked? Yeah, so I mean, so... How it works in this, you know, the criminal justice, that's not exactly my area of of expertise. So Sean would definitely be (laughs) the best. You need to bring him back on if he can beat me. Yeah, because that wasn't going on when when (laughs) we had him on. But yeah. yeah. But but no, but I mean, as I understand it, right. And what we were requesting is like this pattern practices investigation to really focus on the police department, what's going on in there. That could result in a lawsuit like what happened in the late 90s, early 2000s, where the federal government will will file a lawsuit against um, the department. And as a result of that process of the lawsuit, unlike what happened in the late 90s, early 2000s, where there was this settlement that the city advocated for, there Mm -hmm. would be a consent decree. And a consent decree is like legally binding document that says you have to do, you know, X, Y, Z, change these different practices within the department to address these issues. And then there will be someone who's paid to monitor that that's actually happening. So essentially giving not complete control, but, you know, like a very involved role for the federal government into guiding the implementation of those changes. And consent decrees happen, you know, in all sorts of different areas. But mm-hmm. what, it, you know, it's unique to have them, the DOJ, that that power was taken away during the Trump administration. Now it's back with Biden in charge um, and have it, it's somewhat novel, you know, in the last couple of decades to have them in the context of police departments. Wait, you say it was taken away in, in the Trump administration? Yeah, they made it much more difficult for the DOJ to pursue these types of investigations that mm-hmm. would result in consent decrees. So they're not a panacea, right? It doesn't mean you have a you have a consent decree and we solve all policing issues, but it it shines a pretty bright light onto the department and then right. forces things like new training, de-escalation. And, you know, as as I read about it, that, you know, it can really change, help to lead change in the culture of departments. Yeah, and it's not an end-all be-all, right? Because no. Oakland, they've had it since the 90s. That's they've they had it for a long time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and they still have it. So, right. like, mm-hmm. it's, like, we get it. Well, let's say if we were to get it, that doesn't just mean that all of our problems are going to go away. But no. it is, like, forward progress. Yes, yeah. definitely. Are there other departments? I know there's some other departments. Cleveland, in the- ha- yeah, Cleveland, Cleveland has, has one. one. Yeah. yeah. And they've actually seen improvements. Baltimore has one. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're, they've become more common. Uh, but no, not a, not a guarantee, but an important step forward. And I think, you know, the, the coalition of groups, which Columbus Stand Up signed on to, uh, but there, was a, there were a lot of groups, Black-led organizations in particular, that were asking for the investigation. It's this acknowledgement that we don't, totally trust the city to do what's right, right. in this moment, right? And the city's had a lot of chances. So we need, there's this resource available from the federal government. Let's take advantage of that and get them into the department to accelerate change. And the timing of Mayor Ginther's announcement of the review was like, is the reason why the community doesn't trust them. Cause that doesn't, to me, didn't feel like a coincidence at all. It felt like him trying to get out in front of the community so that would be my take too yeah yeah are there other (laughs) federal interventions outside of a consent decree that you know of that could like curb uh police violence i mean to me it's it's federal legislation Mm -hmm. and that's where you know we were talking about qualified immunity before getting a bill passed that would actually include some of these uh reforms that then would apply across the country would be Mm -hmm very impactful, right? Uh, And Biden has said he's committed to seeing that through. What the contents of it will be remains to be seen and whether or not, you know, they can actually get it through given the climate on the Hill with Republicans 
basically not wanting to do anything also remains to be seen. But, you know, I think even seeing that commitment from Biden, that at least is something um, that this is one of his goals that he wants to get through. And, and I, you know, I've talked to families of, of people who um, have lost loved ones here to police violence and met Biden when he was here. And he said, this is a priority. So mm-hmm. it's like, all right, well, let's see what he does. Let's see what he does. You all see, right. you would think that that would be something that our representative will be like, you know, thumping the table about and making as much noise as possible. Like kind of like how Corey Bush is, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. um, that's all I'm going to say. Especially with Columbus. <laughs> I mean, especially with even just the history in Ohio mm. with police violence. We have so many high profile yeah. police shootings, not just in Columbus, but like John Crawford and Dayton, oh, Tamir Rice, Ohio. Cleveland. Yeah. Just politically speaking, it's something that you could stand on. If, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, if you were an opportunist, like, it would be very, we see it. There's opportunists that are out here and mm-hmm. trying to take advantage of the pain. Like, you have so much political covering mm-hmm. to be able to address this issue. Um, I don't understand why it's not being more aggressively pursued. It's a great, it's a great question. That's Maybe another question another about, interview. Maybe we need another guest. Um, hey, we can still invite out to <laughs> Hey, listen, I am no, all thanks. the way here. To have, <laughs> I'm okay with having a baby sit across from us and talk to us. I yeah. think this is how we. I mean, this is how we get answers, though, right? Yeah. These are all fair questions. This is this is the community's role. Just this is another why. part of Columbus Stands Up's uh, mission: is the accountability. We need to be comfortable in asking our representatives the tough questions directly. That is not mean. That is not inappropriate. That is actually our duty as people living here to make the government work. When we stop doing that. The government's not working. I would love to do it, but I just, a part of me just feels like we're not going to get, we're going to get more of the same and that's just going to be, I'm going to be like, oh, I spent two hours doing what? Like, (laughs) that's my biggest thing. It's not, it's, it's, I would love to do that, but I, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. Is that a challenge? I mean, but I think even that, that I think that's been one of the changes of the past year too. Don't y'all think like just the level of comfort with calling out power um, yeah, that's yeah. People are questions. getting like fed up, yeah. and we're seeing more people come out and say, "What you know? What is really going on here?" Yeah, um, because that's not the fabric. We've talked. We talked about that. That's not the fabric of Columbus to like question or because you know you can't. You can be. Um, you can face consequences in your career or your, mm. you know, personal life or whatever by doing that. So a lot of people don't want to do it, but there are people stepping up saying like, no, there's conversations that need to be had. There's changes that need to be made. We're not just blindly following people because that's what we've always done. We're right. asking for, for the status quo to, to change. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And making that connection between a certain outcome and, whose job is this connected to, right? Right. Because a lot of, mm-hmm. we yeah. talked a lot about this, a lot of levels of government has just been like I've learned a so much about the county commissioners yes. like over the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. Um, because like of? So much. Um, a lot of different reasons. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not just asking the question. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's cool. I've just, I've just been doing a lot more and understanding mm. like they control a lot. Of, right. I mean, you can go to, off, well, excuse me, murderer me um, and talk about him and the fact that the commissioners are in charge of the sheriff's departments and right. whatnot, but they're also in charge of a lot of programming. And yeah, they, they control a, a lot of money. A lot yeah. of money. Yeah. And I thought that that was all coming from the city. Mm. Uh, there's Those are county funds. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, and we just don't even really talk about it. We don't think about what we want from them and voting for them. I mean, I think that's one of the things from the Makai Bryant situation, mm-hmm. you know, that her, her killing that it's shining this light on the foster care system yeah. that people don't talk about. Well, that's also a county run system. Well, and there was an incredible article. I don't know if y'all saw it in the New York Times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you haven't, if our listeners haven't read it, definitely read it. It's about how Makai was basically failed by the foster care system and everyone. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's great for me to see organizations sort of like compartmentalizing and stepping up to hold different spaces in our Mm. city government accountable. So like, we're going to focus on this and Mm. y'all focus on this. It's like, 
put your foot on all their necks. Like, right. and we're all going to work together yeah. to do that. That's what I love to see. That's definitely going to be a season of Columbus Can't Wait. I don't know when, but mm. now that we're going to and really just scrutinize mm. all the different parts of like city government and yeah. see what the power to actually realize that, you know? Yeah. Well, that's one of the things I was referencing earlier. I mean, different policy topic entirely, but getting some of the climate organizations, um, working with them to get organized and ask questions about the city's climate action plan. Like that's not something that we normally are talking about yeah. every day, but that's a big deal. That's a plan that's going to apply for at least 10 years. And we should be paying attention to that. We should be asking questions. And Climate we should be justice applying is that racial pressure. justice too. Yeah. Maybe that needs to be, that needs to definitely be one of our seasons. Cause I yeah. don't think a lot of people understand it. Yeah, I facts. don't think so. Yeah. I didn't realize like in black neighborhoods, like they just don't have any green space and like the air is, lit- it's dirtier. Like, it's yeah. Right. Worse. Worst quality of life. Yeah. Like, right. the lit- just and it's the by design. Like, yeah. You can't even yes. breathe while black. <laughs> right. Yeah. Nope. And it's by, de- it's literally and it's by, by design. design. Yeah. 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 Um, one of the questions that I have for you, I mean, you kind of spoke to it a little bit, but in the last couple of months, year, um, I don't really know what timeline. Like, <laughs> I know. What day is it? We've been doing a lot of, um, just discovering more of the underbelly here in Columbus and, and just like seeing things that have opened up our eyes. And mm. is there anything, any realizations that you've had that have been like really eye opening or like what have you learned about Columbus? That's a good question. Uh, what have I learned about Columbus? I mean, in some ways, I think what I felt like I knew about Columbus has been reinforced over the past year, both good and bad. Uh, okay. On the good side of things, I do think this is a place of people who a lot of people really want to do the right thing, which is interesting because you know, in some ways it feels like such a disconnect from people who represent us. Uh, but real people, I think, will mobilize to help one another in a, in a real way um, when asked to do so. And that, you know, take like our rideshare program. We started that from, I remember, I will never forget it actually, because it was just so organic. It was like, we're on a Zoom we had a high schooler from Cristo Rey who had started interning and you know volunteering with us. We had a, a, she asked me one question. Well, how do you decide what direct service things are you focusing on? And then that just kind of got me thinking and scrutinizing. Like, well, how do I just like what is our criteria? I was like, oh, wait a second. No, we should be starting from the place of what's the biggest need. And biggest need is vaccine, right? So then we go from there. And then we just started pulling in people with the skill sets, the resources to make it happen. That I love about Columbus. That's why I think there is kind of like this startup culture. Like Mm. people have ideas, people come together, you can pull off an idea, make it happen. People are open to it. On the flip side of that, uh, I do think that people are too fearful. And that's interesting because that seems kind of like, kind of in opposition, (laughs) you know, and once I think people are really creative and can like be innovative, but I also think people, especially when it comes to politics are too often operating from a place of fear and too nervous about offending people. And we need to be bold. We have the power, just like we are saying, we need to be warriors in pursuing justice and what we want for our communities. And I don't care if we offend people along the way if the pursuit is honest and we're authentically doing it. And that's what I want for Columbus is like almost pairing as much passion as people have for helping with the strength of not giving a, you know what, right. That come, that is not only helpful, it's absolutely necessary if we're going to, if we're going to win a lot of the fights that we need to. Yeah. There needs to be more of us. We can't be afraid. That was a wild, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't really have anything else to say. (laughs) That felt like a mic drop. You know what I mean? I mean, it is. Yeah, we like, can end it there. <laughs> <laughs> we just we can't be afraid. There's just way too much on the line. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, Morgan, thank you so much for sitting down with us and talking about these different things. Honestly, like I wish that we could talk more. Like I have so many other things that like I want to ask you about. We can that. talk outside the podcast too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's like. He's not know. only going to answer your calls when I have to do it. <laughs> I feel so guilty. Like, you know, I hear so well, I have access to so many different, like incredible perspectives and, and thoughts that have informed the way that I look at the world. And mm-hmm. I feel like a better person because like I hear it. So I was like, man, I want as many people to like, talk in front of this mic as possible. Mm-hmm. And, um, and just at least have access. If they listen to it, that's on them. But 
you know, at least you had the opportunity to to hear this wisdom and shit. So mm-hmm. um, I appreciate And I appreciate the fact that you're still here, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and, and st- I know, I know, right? It's She's so like, where funny. would I go? I know, where am I, I was going? Born here. Yeah, well, just, <laughs> I, and, you know, and even that, even I can't that. Believe you have family here. And, right. Well, but there's, a, there's like something kind of sad, too, about that perspective, right? Because it's like. Are you are you like so insecure about being here that you would worry someone's leaving? Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like where else would I want to be? I well, want to be here. All the a best lot people, of people, yeah, like, they be either they want to leave or they're already like I hear all the time. Like I can't wait till I leave this place. I like, hate Columbus. Like, I hear that all the time. You can just stay here and work with this. <laughs> I mean, I I get that. Per, you know, I get that perspective. I think it is useful actually to go other places, like get skill set. You know, come mm-hmm. back. But for me, I always felt kind of homesick actually being mm-hmm. in other no other place ever was going to be home for me that's mm-hmm. true and i do think there's something about the community here that just makes it real and in a lot of other places just always felt like going through the motions yeah it's authentic here it's very authentic well, better sure. or worse <laughs> right um, it's very it stays very so on brand too, too authentic facts <laughs> And Columbus hey, and gonna be on brand if it... <laughs> and they'll push you out too. Yeah, so. exactly. and that's another reason why I'm glad you're still here because I think people try to push you out. Like, right. if it wasn't like a pull, then there's also like the push factor too. Yeah. So. Well, it's so funny. There's a lot of people like, oh, you know, the party. All these people must just be coming to you with all these ideas of what you should be doing. I was like, mm. <laughs> no. <laughs> but that's the thing. But again, that's the thing about Columbus is that people have to recognize that like you can make your own lane. Hmm. If you don't like the way that the the establishment is operating or whatever that's happening and it's, it's not aligned with your values, like there's always an opportunity to do your own thing and to be inv- innovative and to be welcomed in mm-hmm. that. And I'm just starting to see that more and more. And I yeah. think that you're running for um, office like you did against someone who is an established politician, well-loved in the community, was inspiring for a lot of people because it says like, you know, just give it a shot. Like, and yeah. and you don't have to leave after it's over. Right. Like you can exactly. still right. stay here and, you know, live your life and have an amazing life and make your own lane and things mm-hmm. will be fine. And, and I think people impact. need to see that. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, make an impact. Building. A lot of times people think that the power is in the office and really the power is with the people. The power mm-hmm. is with the people. So. But it's and nice to have that. people with that mentality with the power of the office to implement the policy. So Absolutely. can't wait to marry the two of those. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. One yes. day, one day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if anybody doesn't already know, um, where can they fo- follow you at? So at MH4OH on social media and ClumbusStandUp.org is the website. And we're having a community and volunteer appreciation event. I don't know when this is posting, but it's on Saturday the 15th. So oh, no. nice. Oh, not before then. Yeah, hopefully you guys came out. <laughs> <laughs> Call me for a t-shirt. <laughs> are you giving away t-shirts there? We are. Starstruck mm. is making t-shirts and we're having Lifestyle Can Cafe for lunch. Ooh. Vegan food. So... That's black owned, right? Yeah. yeah. Salute local, man. All right. Yeah. Shop local, 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 local. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Morgan. Yeah. Thanks for having Thank me. Thank you. Yeah. We'll be back soon. Thanks for listening to Columbus Can't Wait, y'all. And before we go, we want to acknowledge that we are on the traditional territory of hundreds of different indigenous tribes and nations including the Hopewell, Adena, Miamia, Shawanwaki, Shawnee, and Kaskaskia. Indigenous people are still here, and we want to acknowledge that we are on their land and recording this podcast. Have a good night, y'all.